0: The following audio is from the House in Rogers, Arkansas. More information about the House Church can be found at www.welcometothehouse.com. We're in a five week series called Understanding the Why, and I believe that this is going to be great for us. I, you know, no matter, and I, you may not have played sports, but in all of sports, they talk about going back to the fundamentals, go go to the fundamentals. It's amazing that we now have people that make millions and millions of dollars and every time their season starts, right before the season starts, they work on fundamentals. Basketball players go back and they work on their shot. I'm like, okay, if you're making three, four million dollars, you ought to know how to shoot by now, but yet they they go back and work on fundamentals. Football players work on fundamentals, basic how to tackle, where to put your head, right in their chest, wrap them up. I mean, they, they go and work on fundamentals. And, and I, don't, I guess I, I don't know what you do if you're sewing. Uh, I guess you go back and work on fundamentals, make sure the needle doesn't stick you or, or something. But I'm sure that in everything that you do, there are fundamentals. And the reason that we're going through this understanding why is so that we can break down fundamentals for us to live not only a, the Christian life, but to live a thriving life. Christian life. When we understand the why, there is a connection to what we practice. Practice in the fundamentals is what keeps us ready to act when adversity or the enemy comes. And the reality is both of those things happen every day. This may have been a very, very tough week for you. This may have been a really great week for you. But the reality is what you put in when you're okay comes out when you're not. And so the reality is you are the sum total of what you've put in your life. What you think, how you respond, what happens to adversity. All of that comes from your journey. All of that comes from what you produce in your life. And so if it's okay for you to whatever, to how you respond to life, comes by what's in there. And I want to encourage us that as we grow in Christ that we understand the why and that we're putting in things that would cause us when we're pressed to respond differently than everyone else. You know, our first message was in the series, we talked about the power of worship, and I want to encourage you, if you were traveling, if you're going I know a lot of our people, they travel in and out, especially in this Northwest Arkansas area, I want to encourage you download our app. That All you have to do is type in the house, N-W-A, and download our app. One things that we're going to be adding, we're going to be adding our live stream to that app pretty soon, but we already have our podcast, we have a bunch of ways to connect, prayer requests, but... If you'll download that on Google Play or, or the App Store, then whenever you leave, you can be pumping in exactly what we're talking about so that we can grow together. Because ultimately, we're, this body is moving somewhere. And if, if you're gone two or three weeks, then you miss where we're at. And so I want to encourage you to stay connected on where we're going. Well, I've got two scripture verses, and then I'm going to pray, and we're going to begin. Two quotes from the Bible that I want us to see. First of all, it's 1 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17. Look at this. It says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction... For instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Can we stay there? Can we look at this? This is a scripture verse that has just a lot in it, a lot of meat there. And I know that this may not be on your refrigerator. This may be not the thing that you don't knit in your pillow. But the reality is, it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. In other words, God wanted to say something to us and gave us the Bible so that That we could understand his thoughts, it is profitable for doctrine. What is doctrine? Doctrine is how you see the world, your viewpoint. What is right? The Bible. The Bible. A doctrine is something that you live by. And the reality is this: we all have a worldview. We all have a worldview. Why we do what we do? Why we come up with the way we come up? And that's fine, as long as it is. Our worldview, once we become a believer, begins to start changing from what we feel like to what He wants us to know. Because we're in a process of transformation. The Bible also says reproof and correction. Now, I know that doesn't make anybody have warm, fuzzy feelings. But the the reality is it's interesting because it says reproof and correction before good works happen. I have four kids. And can I tell you that before many good works happen, there has to be some reproof and there has to be some correction. You know, it's funny because my wife has gone to Belize for the week and my kids, the first day and a half that they were with me, we had to get real. You know what I'm saying? It was like, Mama ain't here no more. I'm going to tell you one time. And so we we, we had to have a little meeting of the minds because they're usually around Mom a lot, but now they're around Dad. And so we had this one incident. I'm not going to tell you who it was, but the reality is we went to go get some ice cream at Andy's. And they were very, very excited. And I said, kids, you can get a concrete and you can get one topping. And then I had some kids. "Uh, uh, uh," And I said, oh, let's go. Uh And we all got in the car and left. And the waterworks, it was was real. (laughs) And I said, one concrete, small, one topping, no discussion. You ain't got no money. If you want to pay for your own, you can get all the toppings you want. But since you're on my dime, small concrete one topping. And so they were very upset. They were, oh, so and so we went home. We we ate. We uh, cooked dinner. Cook, had them all clean. After we got done, it's amazing. I said, guys, do y'all want to go get some ice cream? They said, yes. I said, concrete small one topping. Yes, sir. And we had the best time. I'm telling you, it was like the Lord moved. We had a revival. They were. <laughs> This is my favorite. Do you want to try a bite? Oh, yeah, I do. And we just had a great time. Let me tell you something. At the section house, we're going to have some good works. But not before some reproof and correction. And so the reality is, it's been really tough at my house the last couple days. Because that only says it one time. Because guess what? I, on Thursday, I want to take my kids to Silver Dollar City. But I ain't taking certain types. I'm, I'm taking the kids I want. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And so can I tell you that in order for you to grow and really do all the things that God wants you to do, there has to be some correction and reproof. And here's the thing, is that correction is not bad. Our society looks at correction like rejection. Well, if you don't like everything that I do, you must not like me. No, no, no. I don't like the way you come at me. I don't like the way you talk. I don't like the way you manipulate. But I love you. I think you're a great person. Just every time you open your mouth, it's bad. (laughs) See, the the reality is, if there is no correction and there is no reproof to who we are, then we, we, we become whoever we think we need to be. And the reality, it's so funny how music today will say, you know what, if you don't love me at my worst... Then you don't need me at my best. And I'm like, you keep giving everybody your worst, ain't nobody gonna be around for your best. I mean, that that's the reality. And so, yes, we all have bad days, but if every day's a bad day, come on. The Bible was given for us to 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 conform and change to God would have us because here's the deal. When we turn to who God wants us to be, our life begins to work. And we begin to succeed in ways that we could never know. The Bible does that. The second scripture I want to... Psalms chapter 7... Psalms chapter 119 verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light. Everybody say light. Light. Come on, say light. Light. To my path. It lights the way. And, And many times there is no... God has a way for us to move and maneuver life. And if we're in darkness, we're going to be tripping up. If we're in darkness, we're going to be fumbling over concepts and confusion and what's real and what's true and what's not. And the, reality, the, the light of the Word will open your path, and the Bible says it will make your way straight. And that's what we hope for you, is that we all don't have to, to look the same. We don't all have to act the same, but we are all conformed and transformed by the same gospel. And it wants to be light to our path. My assignment today is, as we're talking about understanding the why, I want to talk about how the Bible lights the way. The Bible lights the way. And and, and, and I'm going to pray and then I'm going to talk about a frustration I have. Father, Lord, help me communicate this word in a way that's life-changing, life-giving, and ultimately inspires and motivates us to want to dive into your word so that, so that we can be what you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you think things are amazing or, 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 or you ever use the word amazing or great. I'm going to use that here in a little bit. But I, you know, I think that things are uh, amazing and you can use it in a positive context where when like the Hogs beat Seton Hall, I think that that was pretty amazing. I don't know if you follow basketball. Um, everybody was pretty excited about that. It will be even more exciting if we can beat um, North Carolina here today. Uh, uh, and so however big your faith is, uh, they will need it. Um, but, you know, we also use the word amazing in, in maybe a negative connotation where it's like, okay, whew, I can't believe that was someone. And, and, and I have a frustration that I want to bear to you. I, I, I generally don't like to bear all of my frustrations to you. But, but I, I have an issue because, you, you know, when you go to the store and you purchase all of your items and then you go to the credit card uh, machine and you swipe the card. There are always an issue on how to use credit. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever thought about this or you're frustrated about this. But no matter where you go, there is always seems like a different machine. And so the machine is the same, but the color is different. And so I'm old school. I don't want to put in my pen. I don't want to put in my four digits. I just want to swipe the card, sign my name. And, you know, the greatest invention was when if it's under $35, you don't have to sign. I'm like, holla, swipe and go. But now I'm not even talking about the chip idea, which is not a good idea. I don't know who thought that but because but, 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 the chip does not save you time and so you put it in and wait so y'all, y'all been there y'all been there y'all, y'all feel but here's the thing is when we go up to the credit card reader and you swipe it here's the problem I have with the credit card machine is that you would think that all of the colors would be the same so if I want to cancel it but I want it to go to credit some you push the green button some you push the yellow button Some of you push the red button. And all of them, it makes me want to break the button because I'm very frustrated that why cannot we, why can't we get this idea? And so I don't know if I need to elect a congressman, a senator. We need to pass a bill. I don't know what we need to do. We need to have a summit. I need to call all of you high executive Walmart people because Walmart runs the world. I don't know. And we just need to tell everybody, everybody's going to use the green button. But I don't know why there would be the same machine and different colors to go to credit. It doesn't make sense. And here's the worst part is when you go to swipe it And you push the green button or you push the red button and it cancels your order and they're looking you canceled it and I'm like I Know I canceled it. I was trying to go to credit. Oh Well, if you want to go to credit, you have to use the yellow button like I should know that there's not any direction There's no that's not like, you know, someone took a label maker and went for credit. Push that I mean, it's just it's like you have to figure it out It's confusing And as much as we spend, you would think that somebody would figure out, let's have. I want someone to run on the platform of one button. Save your life, one button. I want want there to be data. I want Gallup to do a poll on how much wasted time we've spent trying to figure out and rerun our credit card on other buttons. Because it's confusing. Aren't you glad God doesn't make you just figure it out? But He gives you a Bible and lets you know what He's thinking, what He wants to communicate to you, and how He wants you to grow, and what plan He has for your life. Because the reality is God wants to communicate to you. And if you're confused about your faith, here's what the Bible says. God is not the author of confusion. Mm -hmm. So that confusion is being authored by somebody else. Because God set a way and a plan to teach and instruct those that were going to submit to what He wanted to do. I want to talk about the Bible lights the way. As we look at this, God wants to have an encounter with your life. And He does not leave you at the checkout stand confused with no communication over how you should proceed in this journey that he calls you on. The Bible lights the way. It's a guidebook to help us move through process. God orchestrated a detailed plan to redeem you from sin, but also to develop your mind and your spirit. The Bible lights the way. It it may seem strange to you that the word Bible is not even in the Bible. Uh, I, as you study and you look at that, what does the word Bible mean? It's a, it's, it, it, it is from a Greek word, Biblios, and a Latin word meaning Biblia, and both of these words mean books. As we know, the Bible is not one book. It is a compilation of books, and it has all been put together, and now it is, it is a compilation of books that we see, as sacred because Scripture tells us so. The word Scripture, word of the Lord, thus saith the Lord, occurs in the Bible over and over and over again. 418 times the Bible is used, uses the term, thus saith the Lord. 418 times. And 48 times it says that God says. And if you add the times that it says Jesus said, we would have over a thousand sayings in the Bible that says the Word of God or God is speaking. Total, if you add all of it up, we are well over 2,000 times the Bible declares that God is speaking in either text or by Jesus Himself. You know what? Now, here's the thing. If God is speaking, I would think that we would want to know what God is saying. And we, use, we see Scripture not as just a book that we should learn, but it is God speaking to us, and all Scripture is God-breathed. Today, I, as we're understanding the why, I want to, to talk about how the Bible lights the way and give you five reasons to know your Bible. Five reasons to know your Bible. The first one, five reasons to know your Bible. Jesus took time to know it. If Jesus took time to know it, we should probably take time to know it. I mean, let's just look at this. Jesus studied the Bible. Look at John chapter 7, verse 14. And I'm just going to read this here because I don't know if they have it there. John chapter 7, verse 14. In the middle of the feast, Jesus went up to the temple and began teaching. The Jews there marveled, saying, How is it that this man has learned when he has never studied? Well, here's, the, here's why they thought that. Because to learn at the rate that Jesus was learning, you had to have a teacher. And all, te- all teachers were known at that time. But Jesus studied, personal study. Jesus knew the Word. There was one time in the Bible where Jesus' family went to the temple to worship and they all got in the caravan to leave to go home and Jesus stayed and about a day into the journey, his parents realized, I mean, can you even imagine? I mean, have you ever just fumbled the ball? You just blew it? Come on, you, you backed up without looking? You just fumbled it? You just, just made a mistake? I mean, you just, You just said something? You told a secret? So I don't know how you would feel being Mary and Joseph and having the burden of carrying the Son of God, and you lose Him. I'm just saying, that's an issue. That's a moment that you're like, Joe, I thought it was with you. Mary, come on. Where's your angel? I'm just like, I think there would be some real... Can you imagine what that conversation was like for the married couple going back to find Jesus? I promise you, you, you just have one job. You had one job. I don't even know what that was like, but when they got there to see Jesus... The the verse says, don't you know you've made it hard on us? And Jesus is like, didn't you know I'd be studying? (laughs) You know, I don't know about all the kids at our church, but I venture to say that if y'all go on a spring break trip and then you come back and realize you've left them, I don't know if all of them would make it to the church and say, hey, I just hung out with Stephen for three days. (laughs) We just kind of served the church, we vacuumed, we learned. We did a Bible study. You know what I'm saying? We would, our culture is more like home alone. You know, give me ice cream, give me chips, and let me run the house and not clean up anything. But Jesus was like, no, 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 I need, I need to prepare for where I'm going because my life is marked with a destiny. And I, and I have something to do. And can I tell you that many, I hear, I hear many in the church who have great dreams of what they want God to do for them. But here's the thing. You, you have to invest before you acquire. You have to pour it in. You have to learn. You have to go deep. There, you have to learn. Listen, God has given you time to learn. Learn the scriptures. Learn. But there are so many things that buy for our attention. There's so many things that buy for our attention. Jesus took time to know the Word. There were many times that Jesus quoted the Old Testament. He called it Scripture. And and, and as we look through this, Jesus knew the Scripture thoroughly. Words, He even knew verb tense. He, he, He had memorized portions of the Bible. He believed all of Scripture. This is important. Jesus believed all of Scripture. Every prophecy concerning himself, where he would be, what would be happening. He believed the Old Testament was a historical fact. And as we look in Luke chapter 11, verse 51, he talks about Abel as a real individual. Matthew chapter 24, he talks about Noah and the flood. John chapter 8, verse 56, he talks about Abraham. In Matthew 10, 15, he talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. In Luke chapter 17, verse 28, he talks about Lot and his wife. In Matthew chapter 8, he talks about Isaac and Jacob. In John chapter 6, he talks about money. In John chapter 3, 14, he talks about the serpent. In Matthew chapter 12, he talks about Jonah. In Matthew chapter 20, He talks about Isaiah and Daniel. All I'm trying to get you to see is that these were real people and, and, and Jesus believed this and lived his life and taught out of their lives. We now have a theology in church that while we accept grace, the Old Testament is no longer needed. Jesus spoke from it and used examples from it. Now, we're not under a works-based gospel, but the reality is we don't earn God's love through our works, but our works should show how much we love God. And if you're broken in sin, so, well, the law, it doesn't matter. Okay, great. Every man have an affair on your wife, it doesn't matter. Oh no, oh, oh no, don't commit adultery. We, we like that one. See, you see what I'm saying? It's like it's like somehow, because we've we we have accepted grace, that we we no longer need to even think about this. We still aim and still run our life based on what God said would keep us healthy. The difference is that we're not under it and it's not a taskmaster anymore. But we still, come on. Well, we're not under the law. Okay, you don't have to keep God first. Anytime you cuss, make sure to say it's God's name. It, it'll, really, it'll really change your life. You, you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. Worship the Lord. Oh, you're, you're right. We don't have to do that anymore. Don't worry about coming to church. I mean, it's like we've really not ever thought it through. We're not under it, and when we don't meet it, God's not out there going, terrible, terrible, bad judgment. He sent His Son to cover us and fulfill the law. But the reality is, it'll still work in our life. It'll still work in our life. It reveals... The the, the second thing that I want us to see is this. It reveals God's plan in our lives. Church, can I tell you that both God and the devil have a plan for your life? And we can prepare ourselves for heaven, or you can act like hell. But both of them will have a, 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 a pivotal direction that it will take you. And, and I want to make sure that our church is life-giving. How do, we, how do we be life-giving? It's not that we're fake and act like no problems ever happened to us. Oh, everything's great. We're just loving God. No, the reality is we, we have bosses, we have people, we have timelines, we have, there's money issues. We all have issues. But when we pour in the life-giving word of God, then life-giving comes out. If we don't pour in life-giving, then life-giving doesn't come out. Well, I'm just not going to be a fake Christian. If I have a problem, I'm going to let everybody know. Great, ain't nobody going to text you back. Because everybody's got their own bag of stuff that they're dealing with. And there's a lot of people that that they just vomit their issues on somebody else and they feel better walking away and this other person's about to run off the road. I took all your baggage. There's only one that can take that. And it's Jesus. And it's important for us to know our Bible. It reveals God's plan for our life. God has a life-giving plan for you. He wants to teach you, instruct you. He wants... to to develop your heart, your mind, and your soul. God wants you to accept the Holy Spirit as the teacher and gift. He wants you to know that there is a real enemy that's trying to push back your progress and freedom. God wants you to know about His Son, Jesus, who will redeem you and cover you every time you fall short. Come on. It helps us understand how we should live. It helps us understand what's truth. Come on. Truth is so subjective in our culture. There are no no real absolutes except for that's why we get into the Bible because the Bible will reveal to us what is true. Because what what is true will always work. The third thing is this. The first one we talked about is Jesus took the time to know it. The second one is it reveals God's plan for our life. The third is it's amazing. I know some of you are like, you couldn't have come up with anything better than, than that? Uh, are we now in fourth grade? You know, I know some of you are like, how much time do you study? You know, but, but the reality is I could not come up with a, a better word than the fact that it is amazing. Think about this. 66 different books, 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament. 1,260 promises are in the Bible For you. For you. 6,468 commands, 40 different authors, over a 2,000 year span, three different continents, three different languages. This collection of book was written by shepherds, kings, scholars, fishermen, prophets, military general, a cup bearer, and a priest. What I'm telling you is, th- th- it's phenomenal. And the reason that I can say that is because I challenge you to find 40 different authors in a 15 to 200 year span, on three different continents with three different languages and have them write 66 different books and see if they're all congruent Because they're not going to be they're not going to be on task. They're going to they're going to 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 fight each other's opinion They're going to argue amongst themselves. But here we have one author for all 40 authors. Does that make sense? There is one author, 40 writers, and 66 different books, and they all, from Genesis to Revelation, the whole book is about Jesus. Come on. Now, if that's not amazing, I don't know what to tell you. That It's amazing. It's amazing. Can I tell you this? Historically and scientifically, the Bible has never been proven incorrect. No one has ever found fault on any of its hundreds of statements, and this includes history, um, astronomy, botany, geology, or any other branch of learning. It has never been disproven. And there are people with PhDs, double PhDs, that have worked hard to try to disprove it, and it's never been disproven. About 3,300 verses of prophecy have been fulfilled. And we're not talking about, I believe you will walk outside, did it? I'm I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that in Daniel, many hundreds of years before Jesus came, Daniel said he's going to be born in Bethlehem and went through detail of who he was going to be and it happened just like Daniel said. Come on. The Bible is a light to our path. Predictions were made hundreds and even thousands of years before fulfillment, and not one detail was wrong. The Bible was the first book printed on the printing press, and it still outsells every other book today in the marketplace. Its influence around the world has impacted millions, and it's increased civilizations. It's added help to people. I'm not telling you that there haven't been injustices. But the injustices have been so small in comparison to its victories. Come on. It is amazing. Number four is this. Five reasons to know your Bible. Number four is it's living and active It's living and active. It's not a dead book. This isn't a textbook. It's not a book that we should read. It's not a book that good Christians read. It is a book that all of us should dive in. And can I tell you that if you are in the midst of some financial, marriage, life, fear, insecurity, if you're battling, do you want... Someone just to come and wave a wand and get you out of the issue? But guess what? In two weeks you'll have another issue. Or do you want to plant the Word that will teach you how to respond to adversity so that no matter what comes up, you know how to handle it? See, that's what the Holy Spirit does. It activates the Word you put in. But if you don't put anything in... Jesus said the Holy Spirit will come... And Jesus said to the disciples, the Holy Spirit will come. Wait, do not start your ministry. The Holy Spirit will come and He will bring to your remembrance everything that I taught you. In other words, we put it in, the Holy Spirit activates it. We've got to put it in. We've got to fill up our spiritual tank. And the reality is we all get dry. There are all moments we get busy. There are a lot of things that compete for our attention. But the Word is living and active. The Bible says that it's a mirror. And it shows us where we're at. It teaches us what is true. In other words, when you read the Bible, here's what really happens. The Bible reads you. The Bible reads you. And you know what? You had that response. You had that... Come on. There are some things that we keep secret and not everybody knows. Some thoughts that we think that not everybody knows. Come on. You don't want your junk up here. Everything that you've ever thought about people. Everything that you've ever said or done. You don't want it on display. But here's the deal. We all have hidden thoughts. Agendas. But when we read the Word... The Word goes, ah, see, you got to deal with that. And come on, I would rather the Lord correct me privately than correct me publicly. And come on, if you don't handle this, then public is waiting. Public is waiting. It's alive. It's active. We all carve out times for so many things. I don't, some of you ride motorcycles. Other ones, you love to try new restaurants. Other, we, we watch a TV show, or you have a video game, or you do gardening, or, or you like the NCAA tournament, hoping Lady the Arkansas is going to win. And, and so, listen, the Bible lights the way, but we all have 24 hours. And I, I, it's funny when I hear believers say, Oh, you know what? I want to read the Word. I mean, were you hoping for like a sun stand still moment? I mean you want you want like a 27-hour day? The reality is, and I'm and I'm not making fun, I'm just saying that we all prioritize our day with what we want. Come on, somebody, we want to do. The other day I, I remember uh, my son has put this game on my phone and I have one I have two games on my phone and both of them my son has has enticed me to get and so dad come on it'll be fun it'll be quality time it'll be great do it do it do it do it I did it and now I'm in it and I'm like oh and so finally I had to delete it from my phone because I was like what I don't even I don't even care about this I started looking up the NCAA tournament bracket and it's amazing how much information. You click on the little information button, not only does it talk about the team, it talks about the coach, it talks about the players, it talks about the high school coach, it talks about everything. And it's like, oh, oh, I could be there for like three hours. My point is I know that there's a lot of things that buy for our attention. But if you want a life that produces great works, you're going to have to be intentional about pouring some life into your spirit. You're gonna to have to be intentional because here's the thing: that's why it's on our wall. Everybody needs forgiveness. We all mess up. Everybody needs freedom, and not one moment of freedom, but continual freedom. But we also need focus. And come on, how many of you have wanted to do better than you've doing? How many of you have wanted to be better than where you're at? How many of you feel like a connection? You love God with your heart. Come on, you just don't love him with your time. Some of you are like, it's getting real. (laughs) Say something funny, Stephen. (laughs) Listen, it shows us what the standard is, and it builds our faith. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says this. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, do we have that? If not, I'll read it. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow and a um, discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. I know that those are a lot of words. I want to break this down for you. The Word of God is living and powerful living and powerful it's not just living it's powerful I don't know if you need any power but the Bible says the Word of God the Word of God does not lie the Word of God does not come back void the Word of God if God said you're gonna see a donkey with five heads three butts and twelve legs you're about to see a donkey with five heads two. what I say three butts and twelve legs the Word of God does not lie. God it's not that God can't lie it's that God doesn't lie in other words his very nature is truth. So when God says it, it's going to be done. And so you need to know what God says about you, not what your mama said, not what your daddy said, not what, come on, your ex said, not what somebody else said about you. You need to know what God says about you because it's powerful and it's living and it's sharper than any two edged sword. And it pierces away. Now listen, what does it pierce away? It cuts away the things that are in our soul and our spirit that don't need to be there. Come on, we all go to the dentist. And the hygienist, come on, she starts scraping on your teeth. And then she says, have you been flossing? <laughs> and you lie. You know what I'm saying? But the reality is she begins to scrape away what? The plaque. The plaque that you could not see, that you did not know was there, but she has it. So my mom was a dental hygienist. And every time I would go in, she liked to play this game. She would get all of the plaque and pull out a cracker and put it on it and say, do you want to eat it? (laughs) And I would say, you're sick. Sick, mom. (laughs) And then she would throw it away. The reality is this. If we're not, some of y'all are like, you had a messed up childhood. <laughs> uh, what, what I want to give to you today is what if, what if we have plaque buildup and don't even know it and don't go to the scriptures to get it removed out of our life? Come on. It's a discerner, listen, a discerner of the thoughts and the intents, the intentions of our heart. Come on, many people, I said it earlier, many people don't know what we really think. But when we read the word, it cuts away all of that stuff and makes us who we need to be. Come on. The word of God is living and powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. The last one, number five, number five. Has this been good? Are y'all, are y'all with me? Number five, it teaches us about Jesus. The Bible teaches us about Jesus. It's all about Jesus, who who, who he was, who he is. He is the Son of God, all man, all God. That, that it's important for us to know what Jesus came to do to save the lost. We owed a debt that we can't pay. And God so loved the world that He sent Jesus. Come on, where are we going to hear about Jesus? You're not going to hear about Jesus in the mainstream media. You're not going to hear about Jesus in mainstream movies. You're, you're not. You know, I mean, we, now we have a little bit of a culture that, you know, it's exciting because we got faith-based movies come out. But in Netflix, come on, you're not going to hear about, you know, Jesus. You're going to hear about the Avengers. Or you're going to hear about Marvel. Or you're going to hear about Buddha. Or you're going to hear about some other... You know, they, they're not going to mainstream and talk about Jesus, the power who saves your sin. The reason they're not... It's because we've talked about this before. Nobody has a problem with baby Jesus cuz he sells. And no one has a problem with miracle Jesus because everyone wants to be better than they were. But everyone has a problem with a savior Jesus because a savior Jesus means you need saving. The very idea communicates that you're not enough. And in our society where everybody gets a trophy, they don't fly. God has a plan for you, and we've got to know about Jesus. Come on, there aren't going to be a bunch of Netflix talking about Jesus, awesome guy. Season 1, 2, and 3. Jesus, the greatest. You might find Jesus Christ superstar, but I don't know if that's going to help you much. The reason we read the word from Genesis to Revelations, it was all about Jesus, this wonderful incredible plan of God that He wanted to redeem mankind, set you free. And can I tell you, this is the one place that you're going to find out what Jesus, come on, thinks about you. No other person, I've seen it done, where Jesus had so much compassion but yet could, could hold people to a commitment. Compassion. Come on, this woman was about to get stoned and Jesus says, hey guys, if you, whoever's without sin, cast the first stone. Jesus, who goes up to a woman at the well who had many, many different husbands and says, listen to me. There's going to be a time when people worship not based on who, what your culture is or, or, or what your past is, but people are going to worship God in spirit and in truth. Jesus had incredible conversations with people who were sinners But then he also called up people higher. and He said, you know what, you're thinking the wrong thing. Go and sin no more, step up. All the time the disciples came to him with a different thought and he was like, God, no, no. If we don't allow the Bible to move and change our life, then we keep God as an experience only. And while I am not saying that experience is not important, what I'm telling you is there has to be some truth deposited with that experience because it will grow something that will change your life. Amen? Amen. I want to be a church that reads the Bible. Thanks for listening. To see what's happening at The House, follow us on social media at the house underscore nwa.